Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Welcome back to Eye on the Community. I'm Vicki Pepper. Assuming you aren't a veteran or other person who suffers from post-traumatic stress, fireworks can be fun. But those big booms and cracks are terrifying for our furry friends, and more pets go missing on the 4th of July than at any other time of the year. Here to discuss how to keep our furry family members safe is Jackie Shard, Animal Services Operation Chief at Riverside County Animal Services, and PIO John Welch. Thank you for joining me. We're excited to be here. Thank you for having us. Thank you. Start by telling us the services that the Riverside County Animal Shelter provides across its campuses. Yeah, so we're really fortunate that Riverside County is a huge area, but we do provide shelter for stray animals. We provide spay and neuter services, animal licensing services, adoptions, and we also have a really big rescue program where animals that need a little more help can get pulled by our fabulous rescue partners and taken to a forever home. What kind of increases do you see in the shelter intake on and immediately following the 4th of July? You know, the 4th of July is so hard being such an exciting celebration but we always see an influx of pets so the celebrations usually fall on the weekend before so for us we always say that armageddon is july 5th and we make it a mandatory all staff work day we have every volunteer on record there to help us scan pets for microchips and really help try to reunite lost pets with their owners because the influx is is real on that day after what does that mean for the pets who are already in the shelter? Super hard because we worry about crowding, we worry about disease, we worry about stress. In addition to that, you know, we're super worried about the blending of those populations, you know, for disease control and stress purposes. So with an influx, we might see 100 or 200 dogs overnight. So not only are our officers out there all night, you know, picking up dogs and trying to coordinate, we also assist CHP and local law enforcement when there's potentially accidents that happen, you know, with pets in the road. So what steps can pet owners take ahead of time? Like here we are a couple weeks before the 4th of July. Like what steps can pet owners take now in order to keep their pets calm when fireworks go off? And then what can they do on the weekend of 4th of July. Sure. Sure. There's a lot of tips out there. We also have tips on our website, but they should prepare if they're going to be going to enjoy a, a legal fireworks show and their house is near a park where perhaps a said show is happening. They could put their dog in a crate with a Kong. They can put their pets in the bathroom and shut the doors to kind of shield them from the, all the noise. Most importantly, though, in the days leading up to the 4th of July, do you have a microchip? You should have a microchip because your animal might get out and this is the fastest way we can get this animal back to you. They just want to make sure that they're not leaving like a dog such as a husky in the backyard on a day when it's going to go nuts and that dog's going to jump over that wall. We've had incidents where dogs will smash through plate glass windows just to escape. So there's all sorts of ways people can protect their animals. And again, there's a laundry list of tips on our website. But if you're going to be gone from your home, you want to make sure that that animal is in a safe or perhaps a crate or in a safe area where it's not going to get out. And tell us how microchips work. Are they like tracking devices? Sure. I I wish. Actually, uh, (laughs) no. A lot of times people who have some reservations about microchips think that it's like government tracking them through their pet. It's that's not how it works. The microchip is about the size of a grain of rice. 
It's embedded in usually in the back of the kind of where the shoulder blades are for a pet. And it is basically a device, a little small device, where if we take one of our scanners over that pet, we get a beep. We get a beep and that beep tells us, oh, we've got a chip. And then that chip has a number and that number is associated with that pet owner. All we know is the chip number, then we'll have an address or phone number connected to the chip. And while we're talking about that, pet owners that have had a chip like for years, thank you. But if you've changed your cell phone number, please update update that cell phone number (laughs) because we've called numbers where it's out of service. So it's not a tracking device. It's a great way for us to get that animal back to you ASAP. (laughs) And should pet owners also make sure that once the chip is implanted, that that chip is now registered with the microchip company? Yeah, the registering portion is huge because a lot of times we see animals come in and we're so excited when we hear the beep and then it comes up to be unregistered. So then we're searching back to the animal shelter or to the veterinary clinic or potentially a breeder, wherever that animal came from, trying to track down that information. And mostly we talk about dogs on the 4th of July, but it's all pets. We've had tortoises come in that have been displaced because somebody knocked down a fence. One year we had ostriches that got scared, smashed down a fence. So we really, we don't want to just sound like we're talking about dogs because it's any animals can be affected. And microchipping, I mean, they even microchip koi fish. So microchipping is, is for all animals. And then if a pet does go missing, what steps should a pet owner take? Yeah, the first step is we're really encouraging people to reach out to the neighbors and immediate areas because a lot of times the pets didn't go far. If they were scared, they got out and they hid somewhere or a neighbor's garage was open or they saw somebody that looked like a familiar place. So a lot of times we find the pets didn't go far. So those new apps like Nextdoor, the Facebook Messenger apps for neighborhoods, those are huge. And if you have a resource with your neighborhood, whatever that is, please use it because that neighborhood watches first. Your local animal shelter, you should know where it is. The other thing that we're concerned about is when people are out on the 4th of July, they're celebrating and they're potentially traveling. So our concern is that if they do find a pet, that they're taking it to the animal shelter in their area where they found the pet, not where they live. Because Mm -hmm. every year we tend to find some pets and we search the microchip and it comes back in another county or another state. And then we find out that the owner was traveling. So making sure that information is current, because even if it's just a phone number, they can tell us, oh, yes, we're on our way. We were visiting family at Disneyland, and now we were in Riverside County. And Good Samaritans uh, have another option, Riverside County. Our friends with the Riverside County Fire Department have microchip scanners at firehouses. There's about 30 or 40 that have scanners at the stations. The list is on our website as well, but we really appreciate them embracing that assistance. Certainly, we don't want people ringing the doorbell at two in the morning. Uh, (laughs) They should go during normal business hours, but they don't have to drive all the way to the shelter with the, the pet. They can check which firehouse has that scanner, and the firefighters are more than happy to assist. They're all trained, and there's information. So What to do when they yeah. find the chip. <laughs> yeah, so they, residents of Riverside County can find that list on our website. And, of course, the fire stations will be open on the 4th of July, mm-hmm. whereas the shelter or, like, a veterinarian's office exactly. is probably going to be closed. Yeah. Our shelters are staffed every day of the week. So we have people, and, and the staff are trained at this time of year to look out the doors and see if there's anybody with a dog. So we try to assist those Good Samaritans. We don't have this attitude like, well, we're closed today. Sorry, we yeah, can't help we're, you. we're there with the pets. So <laughs> we'll check to see if it has a chip, and we will assist that person if they're not able to keep that animal with, in their own home. Mm-hmm. Are silent fireworks a thing? And if so, how do we encourage local fireworks shows to start using them? Yeah, it's interesting. I've heard some chatter about that. I don't know a lot of 
depth about the silent fireworks. I do know that pets can be very visual also. So there are some things that we've noticed that even if you're watching your own pets at home, when they see a sparkle or something reflect from your watch on the wall, they get really affected by that, especially cat owners know this. So mm-hmm. it's particularly challenging because even if you can't hear something, they can. And a lot of time it's just the vibrations too. Mm-hmm. And even just a crowd of people or an onslaught of cars in a particular area, if you live near a fireworks show, even if it's just visual, can still be impactful to the pets. We know people enjoy the 4th of July, you know, the bombs bursting in in the air. That's part of, you know, our patriotism, if you will. We'd rather preach just more responsible pet ownership and people should enjoy the the legal fireworks shows. What we're seeing throughout Riverside County and probably here in San Bernardino County as well are just too many illegal fireworks going off in Mm -hmm. the neighborhoods, frightening pets, because those are not scheduled shows. It just keeps happening. Uh, They just happen. And we know we've had terrible incidents in Southern California where, you know, people have had illegal fireworks in them. Homes have blown up and people have died. And in, in, um, I believe it was in Chino where the horse... um, The horse uh, was injured. uh, Well, the horse was killed because of the illegal fireworks. So we really appreciate our friends in law enforcement that have the task force to go after those illegal fireworks. So scary. I'm speaking with Jackie Shart, Animal Services Operations Chief at Riverside County Animal Services and PIO John Welch. As the weather heats up, the chances of a wildfire increase. How should pet owners prepare their pets in the event? And of course, we all hope we never have to do this, but in the event we have to evacuate, how should we prepare our pets? That's great. We I love that question. We work very closely with Riverside County Emergency Management. They, in September, always do a big campaign about disaster preparedness, but they are always preaching with us in concert, having you know a go bag. You know, Ready, mm-hmm. Set, Go is the theme. So not just for yourself with your birth certificates, your passports, your, you know, important family photos and in your like to go box, you should have all your pet information, vaccination, history, all the, all the special medications Mm -hmm. that are needed. That should be part of your to go box. And emergency management, I know has a lot of tips on their website. I'm sure our counterparts in San Bernardino Mm -hmm. have that as well, but that to go bag should also be mindful of your four-legged friends. Yeah, John and I have been involved evacuating many families from fires before, and we've literally had a betta fish in a Dixie cup and somebody handing yeah. John a parrot that we were holding, Like, and people were just so panicked leaving their house that they literally had these animals in a Dixie cup and just on their arm. So not only those important documents and medication, some sort of carrier leashes. I mean, we had one fabulous family. The dog showed up. She had what she had. She had duct tape across their back with a phone number. And, and that was great. That was enough. You know, yeah. we, knew, we knew who that dog was at that time. But in, in the emergency, people need to protect themselves, you know, and, and not endanger themselves and the firemen by trying to chase down animals. So getting them identified is, is huge and carriers are really important. And then why is it so dangerous to leave a pet in a car unattended? And oh my. Is, is it ever okay even if the air conditioning is on? You know, we just had an incident recently. It was our first window break of the season out in our mm-hmm. Coachella Valley. We had a constituent break a window because the dog was was in distress in a, in a locked car. And we tell people all the time, it, it's never safe. It's never okay. Cars fail, air conditioning fail, and it is so quick for animals to overheat and perish in the car. The American Veterinary Medical Association actually has a chart that people can look at and they can see the timeline, what the outside temperature is, and what the temperature of the vehicle is. They have so an amazing chart that shows just how dangerous it is. Even with the windows cracked, we're like, no. Mm-hmm. Some modern vehicles, are you have the ability to keep the AC on, but we're, we're not recommending that either because 
your pet should always be with you. And if you're going to do errands, there's always that opportunity for disaster when you've left your car, you know, running or even um, you're just going in for five minutes to uh, to the mall. As in this case, the mm-hmm. woman was only picking up some jewelry and she intended to only be in and out. But there was something weird that happened in the mall. And next thing you know, five minutes turned into 25 minutes. Mm, and the then was. the Good Samaritan that smashed the window, she, she estimated the time that the dog was in the vehicle was 45 minutes. That's a recipe for disaster. The dog's temperature was 104.9. Around 106, you're looking at potential fatality or injuries to the brain that are not correctable. And in this Mm -hmm. case, the owner of the dog was arrested. I mean, it was a significant situation that the public really took effect to us at Animal Services. We were very emotional about it. We were fortunate to care for the dog and see the dog make a full recovery. The owner was very remorseful and sadly learned a, a really horrible lesson and we're just thankful the dog's life wasn't ended because of it. She had a vet bill that was a thousand dollars and change so these are mm-hmm. w- reasons why also not to uh, not to, to leave an animal unattended in a vehicle. And again as the weather heats up what steps do pet owners need to take to make sure that they're pet is cool over the summer months. Yeah, I mean, Riverside County is a great example because we have our beautiful deserts to, you know, mountains and areas that are have more altitude. So keeping pets cool, not only at home, even if pets are outside. Yeah, there's mister systems, there's wading pools, there's all sorts of cooling devices now that are little collar gel collars that they can wear. We've seen some friends that have bulldogs that have a little cooling jacket that they wear. <laughs> so there, there's lots of options for pet owners. I think the biggest thing is reminding people about stress because, you know, you might be comfortable around the 4th of July at a busy holiday party, but the pet might not be. So even if the temperature is only in the 70s, if your pet is experiencing stress, just like we do, they manifest heat exhaustion very much like we do and as a manifestation. So we just have to be really mindful that the pet is calm and cool, that it's not just a temperature thing, but if, if the behavior of the pet shows signs of distress to please get the pet, you know, somewhere where it's going to be comfortable and be able to cool off. So walking our dog is good. Walking our dog on a hot asphalt is not. Sure. How do we know when the sidewalk is too hot for us? Yeah, um, we always tell people the really simple, the back of your hand. You know, if you touch the back of your hand, if it's sensitive to you, it's sensitive to them. A lot of folks are really savvy in the morning. When If you live in like HOA areas, they're watering the grass really early in the morning. So when you take your pets out, it's cool and it's moist and it's a perfect time to play ball or interact with the pets. Anytime when the sun is up, it's definitely worth touching the back of your hand to that surface to make sure that it's not too sensitive. And it's a amazing the difference between asphalt cement and sand or dirt you know how quickly that can change we see in the Coachella Valley sand people think oh it's not hot it's not asphalt but sand is amazingly hot so that's we just want to remind people that back of the hand touch to any surface is going to be critical to making sure it's safe for them to walk on artificial grass also gets very extremely hot, hot. Mm-hmm. I would actually like to ask my colleague Jackie uh, follow-up what about booties, Jackie? Yeah, and we've do we we've like had booties a, or do we not? It's like interesting <laughs> because we've seen a lot of folks. We do see folks walking their dogs in boots, and people that have service dogs or guide dog prospects know that that's part of their training. Is that the guide dog puppies actually have to wear booties as part of their life? Because as a service animal, the temperature doesn't matter. I mean, they're they're helping a person in need of sight. So dogs can be trained absolutely to wear boots, and we see it often. We've seen little horses in boots doing just fine, but it is something that people would want to take a little time to train and not just try to put that on them the morning of the event because that could lead to the distress and then we worry about the heat stroke happening from the stress not just the temperature. I feel like I ask this question every time I have someone from any animal welfare organization in but it just doesn't seem to sink in with a lot of people so I'm going to keep asking. 
Why is it so important to spay and neuter our pets? Well, there's health reasons, but Mm -hmm. our number one answer would likely be this. We are still dealing with an overcrowded situation at our shelter, and so are many of our shelters. Mm -hmm. We have far too many animals and not enough homes for these animals. Spaying and neutering your pet is preventing a litter. We can't believe that all these years that we've been with the Department of Animal Services, we're still dealing with far too many animals, Mm -hmm. and it leads to euthanasia to some of these animals. Mm -hmm. We've gotten much better than, you know, 15 16, 17 years ago, when one out of every two dogs was not making it out of the shelter. Mm -hmm. Now we're saving 90% of all dogs. Mm -hmm. An animal lover would say, well, what about that other 10%? And so because we're such a high volume shelter, that 10% adds up. And that's why we get criticized Mm -hmm. for the euthanasia. But that's why we're always begging and pleading to the public, please spay and neuter your pets, because we are still dealing with far too many animals. And, and large dogs right and large now. Dogs large and dogs and cats are our, our biggest issue. And large dogs, whether it be fortunate or unfortunate, tend to have large litters. So we always encourage people, you know, a lot of times it, it's access to spay and neuter. It's not the lack of desire. So we encourage those folks anytime that they reach out to us. We have a Healthy Pet Zone program. Um, we do have grant funding to support spay and neuter. And we've had some people take us up on that. And I was so thankful because they were very honest. You know, the dogs were having puppies because of nature, not because they had any intent. So in this particular case, we were able to spay and neuter both the mom and the dad, which were well over 80-pound dogs, which produced a lot of puppies that sadly were unwanted because they didn't mm. want puppies. It was just a byproduct of their dogs living together in nature, unfortunately. And Jackie hits on a very good point in terms of access to spay and neuter. Right now, we are in pretty much crisis mode when it comes to veterinary services. A lot of private vets during COVID-19 were just flooded with all these new pet owners because everybody was at home and they said, why don't we have a dog? And so (laughs) moms and dads flooded our shelters and Mm -hmm. they adopted and kids loved the pet because they were homeschooled and there's, uh, you know, Fluffy right next to them while they're doing their Zoom classes. But right now we don't have a lot of veterinarians. There is a shortage of veterinarians. This Mm -hmm. is an ongoing problem that's been talked about nationwide. Mm -hmm. If moms and dads have kids that are just getting ready to graduate from high school, please encourage, be a veterinarian. <laughs> encourage them to go to become a veterinarian because please. I know it will take some time and some money, but there is such it. a desperate need for veterinarians. And uh, so people can't get an appointment for a surgery. They And even wellness, like vaccines. Yeah. You know, we, we've, yeah. we've started opening our doors and having vaccine clinics because we saw that people couldn't get in to veterinary clinics and for animal services, we want them to be licensed and be responsible pet owners and make sure that the pet has a rabies vaccine. But then we noticed people couldn't even get a rabies vaccine. So we know access to spay and neuter is is a challenge. I've been speaking with Jackie Shart, Animal Services Operations Chief at Riverside County Animal Services and PIO John Welch about keeping our pets safe over the 4th of July and all summer long. I hear you're doing a really special promotion right now. Can you tell us about this? We are so excited. The pepper promotion. So we have a pepper promotion that we want to share with all (laughs) all of your listeners. We're so happy. We had a very generous donor who provided the colorful enamel and aluminum pet tags to be engraved. So right now, if any of your listeners come into our campus in Thousand Palms or our campus in Herpa Valley and, and mention the pepper promotion, we're going to give them a free engraved pet tag. And that is so important to this message of keeping pets home and with proper identification for the 4th of July. So we really hope people will come <laughs> come see us for that. Pepper. 
And how long is that going to be going on? So we're going to be going all the way through till the 5th of July because we want to make sure that even the folks that were responsible and did absolutely the right thing and didn't lose their pets, even if it's after the 4th, we want to make sure to extend that offer to them because it's never not a good time to have a, a pet tag with proper information on it. And is there a limit on how many pet tags you can? <laughs> yeah. So we were saying two per family at first just to make sure we had enough. I'm hoping, honestly, that we might get another donor, you know, that will give us more pet tags. But for now, I, I feel like we have enough for two per pet owner. And is there anything else you want us to know? And tell us how we can find out more about any of the things that we've been talking about today. Sure. Uh, well, our website is a wealth of information and we have uh, links to some of our video stories, our news releases. That website is, of course, it's very clunky because it's a government website. <laughs> it's short for Riverside County Department of Animal Services. So it's rcdas.org. You can just Google Riverside County Animal Services and mm-hmm. find us as well. I think probably one of the messages um, we'd like to end with is just we really appreciate when people come to help us. Donations are always welcome. We are a government open admission facility, but people can donate. They can will their state to us, and Mm -hmm. that donation will be used for what they want it to be used for. Mm -hmm. It could be um, somebody who just wants to help cats. So, you know, that's one of the things people probably don't realize that we we do accept donations, and we do have a tax ID number, a federal tax ID number right on our website. And just we always appreciate the love. You know, we, we have a lot of great pet owners in the Inland Empire, and we just want them to be a little bit more responsible, especially. Yeah. And for those that are great, I mean, that's great. You're helping us spread the mission of helping your friends and family responsibly adopt pets, which we're thankful for. And going to donations, we've received some anonymous donations sometimes that are left at the door that are amazing, whether they're blankets or towels, or we had this fabulous four-foot cat wheel that oh. was donated in front of our shelter. And we all looked at it like, this is amazing. There was no note or anything. And we captured a fabulous video that we recently oh. shared of a kitten just enjoying this ball so I mean I just you know people if they don't need it it absolutely is something our homeless pets could use so we appreciate anything and I'm sure donations of food cat litter toys treats always welcome absolutely and and through our healthy pet zone program we're also able to give back those items so when families check in with us and they're and they're experiencing little down on their luck need a little bit of help Um, all that food the community provides we're able to give back and make care packages for people in need um, which is great because that's honestly the community working together to just help everybody it's great yeah we just uh, we ask that the bags not be open unopened yeah yeah. Yeah. so because we we have to protect whoever we're donating uh, or handing it to i should say Mm -hmm. and uh yeah we just uh, appreciate the the love and support we've got some some good people in this fine region of ours and we're going to get there one day we are we hope (laughs) And less pets coming in. (laughs) Thank you so much for coming in. Thank you for keeping our pets safe over the 4th of July. And here's to a happy and safe one. Cheers. Thank you so much. (laughs)